All right, you guys, podcast time. Hello and welcome aboard the Sydney Bus Museum podcast as we go round and round the grounds. We have a look at the timetable of recent and upcoming events, what's happening around the museum, and we'll shine the spotlight on a museum member. So tap on, get comfortable, and enjoy the ride. Well, hello and welcome to the very first Sydney Bus Museum podcast. Steve Fitton is my name. I'm just steering today. The important stuff is coming from Sydney Bus Museum General Manager Bob Goyer. We also have museum member Josh Power on the first podcast ever. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. All righty. So uh, this is exciting because uh, it's a new way to get information out to people. We just had to get onto this whole podcast thing. It's the way of the future. Everyone's doing it. Let's get stuck straight in. When I uh, joined the museum a few years back, it was a completely different animal to what it is now, and that's all based on uh, the coronavirus and COVID-19 that we've had. How has that changed the business model and, and the way things are done, Bob? Well, everything changed in March last year. Uh, effectively, the museum shut down and was shut for four months. And we were able to reopen after establishing a COVID safety plan and registering the business uh, as a COVID safe location. Uh, when we came back, it was very much a different uh, ball game. It's now a pre-book session only, so you can't wander in off the street. We no longer run the buses to the city to avoid people jumping on and off. Uh, we want to make sure that everyone that's with us is safe and uh, we've got records of who we've got on the premises and who's travelling on the buses. So it, it's a completely different model. Uh, however, we've still made it an exciting adventure for people to come along to the museum and uh, join our sessions and uh, have a great time. It seems to work well too. There were there were a few people that were unsure as to how it was all going to go because the, one of the good things and the beauties of the old way was that you could pay pay your money and then just cruise around at your own speed looking at all the exhibits uh, and then, you know, get on a bus, go into town. Now you're let in in groups, you have a quick look around, you get on the bus, you go to Huntley's, you come back and then pretty much you have to leave. But That's it. it. It's, it's managing people uh, and it's helping uh, with things like even car parking. It is. It, it controls the flow of people. Uh, we've, we've actually set it up so that there's not conflicting movements of uh, people arriving and departing. And uh, we also have the ability to clean the museum uh, whilst people are actually out on the bus. And uh, when the buses come back, the buses are cleaned as well. So we've actually managed to uh, set it up so that everyone's safe and uh, it's working well. Hmm. Okay, and we've managed to pretty much um, stay afloat during the whole time when, when everything was shut down and, and uh, you know, that whole museum sector, we weren't allowed to have people in. We've pretty much survived and managed to keep going. We have, yes. Now, speaking of that, one of the big money spinners, of course, uh, not only open days, which is every first and third Sunday. That's correct. Right. Yeah, yeah. Are the big events, and there's a big one coming up shortly that's actually sold out. So uh, Sunday the 2nd of May is the London Bus Day. Uh, very, very popular this year. We've actually had to extend to a sixth session for that one and uh, completely sold out. Uh, it's a great event. We're running uh, four genuine London buses for that day and uh, people can uh, go along, have a visit of the museum, then hop on a bus to Huntley's Point, change over at Huntley's Point to a different bus and ride back to the museum. 
very, very popular, about 500 visitors this year. Wow. Why do you think, and the Hong Kong uh, Deckers Days are always popular as well. I think you, we put a couple of extras on this year. We did. Yeah. Why are, are, are the regional, if you like, buses, the, the, the not Australian ones, so popular at the moment? I think what uh, it relates to is that people can't go overseas at the moment. Uh, they can't go to London and ride a London bus. They can't go to Hong Kong. But they can come to the Sydney Bus Museum and they can have a ride on a genuine London bus or a genuine Hong Kong bus. And I think people are missing the overseas holidays and uh, they'd like to come to somewhere safe like our museum and uh, still have the London bus ride or the uh, Hong Kong bus ride. Mm. I've been involved as a driver, not so much the London one, but definitely the Hong Kong one. And the look, you'll see someone on the street and they just look up and you can see in their eyes they've been to Hong Kong and they've seen these buses before and look, here's one in Sydney. It's amazing the uh, reaction from the general public as we drive through the streets and uh, the mobile phones come out and the, the, the cameras are going click, click and uh, we often see our buses on Facebook and uh, Snapchat. It's uh, incredible the, uh, the popularity of them as they pass through the streets. So London Bus Day, a sellout. What's a, another big one that's coming up? So the next big one is on the June long weekend, Saturday the 12th of June and that's an event we run annually called Deckers in the Night. So that's a nighttime event. It starts at 5 p.m. And essentially what we do is we run our buses at night uh, and a little bit different this time. Instead of running to Huntley's Point, we're actually running across the Sydney Harbour Bridge. So you get to see the city lights. Very popular event. We expect that one will sell out very quickly as well. And the photos are very pretty. Photos are fantastic. Night photos, you just can't beat them. Now, Josh, it's uh, a rare occasion that we... Uh, Josh is quiet. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's something coming up in the school holidays that you know all about, so tell us about that. We are very privileged to partner with the Sydney Tram Museum to provide a unique transport and heritage day out, we'll call it. Um, on Thursday, the 8th of July this year, we'll be taking everyone from our museum down to the tram museum, but also giving an experience of uh, both museums. So people will start their day at 9am at the museum and look around our extensive collection and then head through the inner west and down to the Sutherland Shire, down to the tram museum. Then they'll be down there for a couple of hours and be able to ride a tram, 1950s tram, down to the National Park and enjoy their vintage collection and then come back to... Sydney and that'll be the end of their day. Another big event, uh, and I've been involved in this one as well, it's it's awesome, it's, it's uh, for volunteers and for drivers, it's not one, it's three days is the Transport Heritage event. That suffered uh, at the hands of COVID, hasn't it? That's correct. So uh, last year that event was cancelled completely because of COVID. This year, unfortunately, because of the redevelopment at Central Station, uh, it's not possible to run that event and it would have been difficult to do it uh, with COVID restrictions anyway. However, uh, there are plans afoot to run a mini expo later in the year and uh, we hope to have some more information for you in a future podcast. Mm. And don't forget, all of this information is available on the uh, Sydney Bus Museum's Facebook page and also uh, the Sydney Bus Museum website. (coughs) Speaking of money spinners, Josh, not only do the events and the open days uh, raise revenue for the museum to keep the fleet and everything running, but also the shop. What can we get in the shop? Well, the bookshop, It's uh, you can get from souvenirs to vintage historical books and DVDs on buses or what used to run around Sydney, even some prehistoric footage, to even some genuine bus parts that uh, you might want to display at home. But it's the bus shop's 24-7, so people should come check it out. So not only do you, you don't have to go to the museum to buy stuff, you can actually do it online. Yes, that's correct. <coughs> 
Now, just a reminder, we've got a special guest shortly. Uh, uh, shine the spotlight on a on a member of the Sydney Bus Museum. We're reaching very high this time around for our first podcast. He's a very important chap, and uh, we'll speak to him shortly. Let's talk, Bob, about the reason people go to the Sydney Bus Museum, the exhibits, the fleets, and there's some works in progress at the moment. Sure. So uh, there's quite a number of projects on the go at the moment. Um, one bus is a Leyland Double Decker 2033. That bus has just returned from uh, repainting at Custom Bus at St Mary's and it's uh, come back looking absolutely magnificent, like new in fact. And uh, that bus has actually been subject to an overhaul, complete overhaul over the last three years. It's got a fully rebuilt engine. It's now 73 years old, that bus. So, uh, you know, we hope to be able to operate that bus for many, many more years and very, very soon that bus will be back into our Sunday operating fleet. So sometime in the future, if you visit the museum, it's quite possible that you'll be riding on uh, Double Decker Leyland 2033. Tucked away in one corner of the workshop is uh, an ex-Sydney Atlantean 1073. It's being all resheeted. What's happening with that one? Yeah, so 1073 is an Atlantean bus, and uh, we retrieved that bus from Victoria last year and it's currently in the process of being repaneled and it's proposed to repaint that bus in a very striking 1970s all over advertising colour scheme. We'll have some more information on that soon but uh, watch this space. It's going to be very, very spectacular. Because they did. They they did them, uh, the Atlanteans, the double-deckers. They look striking. In in, uh, in fact, you can buy models of a lot of the um, AOA stuff that the Atlanteans were in. And I've, I've, I'm privy to this information. If this gets approved, it's going to look just absolutely awesome. Absolutely uh, eye-catching. It'll be the, another gem to the collection. And speaking of that... There's um, a large, it's called an Arctic, everyone just calls them bendy buses. What's going on? There's a bendy, there's been a GoFundMe, it's been extended. We've reached what you wanted for the paint and uh, it looks like that's all green light. Yeah, so with the bendy bus, uh, it's one of the first uh, articulated buses to operate in Sydney in the early 80s. And we've had that bus now for over 10 years. It's been in storage and the time has now come to restore it back to its original appearance. Uh, Josh, you might want to tell us a little bit more about it. So it was one of 30 built for the government. 2556 is um, an 0305G with a Mercedes, oh sorry, a ZF gearbox attached to it. Um, It was um, number six built for the government and uh, hopefully by the end of the year it'll be in that striking brown and cream colour scheme that stood out and ran around the northern beaches for a very long time. Why is it important to take it back to those colours? Well, it's something historically significant that should be added to our collection and it's something different in our collection and it was, at the time, a very significant livery for an articulated bus that had not really been seen in Sydney before. You took it out on a tour recently, which is another uh, form of revenue raising. Actually, you get a, a bunch of uh, enthusiasts. They pay a, you know, a little admission fee and you go on a trip. You took the Bendy up to Palm Beach. Palm Beach Why yeah. is that significant? Was that where it used to live? That's correct. So uh, those buses ran on the Route 190 to Palm Beach for many, many years. And uh, we were basically taking that bus home for the, uh, for the day. And uh, that, that proved very popular. Speaking of the tours and proving popular, we, we'll talk about 2000 in a moment, which is a, um, a very significant bus, if you like, a gas bus. Recently, uh, they began decommissioning these gas buses and the museums acquired 2000. But uh, you did not one, not two, but three, but three farewell tours. What, as someone who likes the old stuff... 
and who's a bit long in the tooth and likes the sort of buses I went to school on. What was the interest in these gas buses? Be- I think this is where old Chinese. Yeah, because they're new. Because, they're not old. They're, this, you know. is, this is my era. Um, it's more the fact this is the next generation of um, bus enthusiasts having some sort of, well, enthusiasts or people that not only built them, they're a 20-year-old bus and unfortunately their lifespan's up, um, but it's the next era of enthusiasts and hopefully music, future museum members that will helpfully restore and work with our collection. One thing I have noticed since I've been involved is you, you go out on one of these things, there are so many young kids with cameras that are just interested. So obviously the next generation's coming through and the whole thing is safe it in is, safe hands for the future. It is the next generation and we... Uh, as an organisation, need to encourage the next generation, people like Josh here, uh, because they're the future. They're going to keep the museum running in the future when I'm long gone. My role as the manager is to train and teach the next generation of the museum and uh, make sure that the place is in safe hands. All right, just very quickly before we make an important phone call and get our uh, featured member in the spotlight, uh, let's talk about 2000, the gas bus uh, that you've acquired. So 2000 was the very first... Uh, gas bus that was produced specifically for the Sydney Olympics and uh, it was in it was in use for transporting uh, both athletes and um, visitors to the Sydney Olympic Games. That bus uh, late last year was wrapped in a commemorative colour scheme for the 20th anniversary of the Olympic Games and just very recently the bus was donated to us by the State Transit Authority and it will form part of uh, a permanent display telling the story of the Sydney Olympics and the transport during the Sydney Olympics. So we're very, very happy to have that bus. And that brings us to our special guest. Every month we'll shine the spotlight on a museum member, find out how their interest in buses began and how they came to be involved at SBM. For our very first feature member, we've gone straight to the top. When I first joined the museum, you couldn't drive any of the buses until this chap checked you off. Or should that be Checklacked you off? Andy Checklack, hello. Hello, Steve. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, Bob and Josh are both here as well, and uh, we, we want to pick your brain. Is that okay? Well, you better hurry up. Everyone else has picked it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not much left. Andy, how did you get involved in the museum, like, back in the first place? Well, it started when I was a child. I was fascinated by vehicles with big wheels, whether they were trains, buses or trucks. And the buses won out. Now, to cut a long story short, in the early 70s, I got a job with the then Public Transport Commission. And I became associated with the then HCVA, the Historic Commercial Vehicle Association. I wasn't a member, but I did attend some of their meetings and some of their events. Then in 1986, when it was announced that uh, the HCVA was granted a lease over Tempe, I thought to myself, well, these guys are fair income, and it gave me and other members who, don't, who didn't have buses an opportunity to get involved, and I guess it just flowed on from there. So, Andy, more recently you were the operations manager at the museum. Can you tell us what that involved? Not that different from an operations manager in a regular bus company. But what it involved was organising the events, the instructions for the crews. I always regarded that as very important. The crews know what they're doing, then there's less chance of any mistakes. And uh, we've had a pretty good record as far as that's concerned. 
Uh, and as Steve said before, no one got to steer a bus unless they came through me. I remember our test, actually. You took me on the on the normal uh, run that you do, and we got to Tempe. I think we were in 2338, which is an ASE with pre-selected gearbox, which I, was, I wasn't struggling with, and you were happy that I was driving it okay. But we got to Tempe, and there was some roadwork somewhere, and we had to come back blind through an area that you hadn't checked. So you and I were both ducking and dodging branches trying to get back to Broadway. Yeah, but you got the bus back intact with the top deck intact. <laughs> so Andy, um, you know, obviously there were a lot of different things, uh, different types of events as well as just the normal museum open days. Um, yeah. Tell us about some of the bigger events that uh, you were involved in over the years. Well, the biggest event every year is Australia Day. That's our um, main money spinner. It's what attracts the crowds. Um, that involves getting involved with the Premier's Department. The Australia Day Council that comes under them. So I usually have to attend a few meetings with them. Uh, that includes meetings out at the Traffic Control Centre at Redford where they go over all the traffic uh, arrangements for the day, not just for the buses but for the, everything else. Um, they seek our comments as far as their operation goes. And I must say they've always been very cooperative with us. Anything we've asked for, they've granted. Another interesting one was um, Art and About, which we did for Sydney City Council. I think we did about three or four of those. That was after seven o'clock. No, it was after, sorry, it was after six o'clock. We ran till about ten, and it was mostly connecting up different art galleries and artist studios around the city. Okay, what about uh, the Transport Heritage Expo? What's your recollections there? Yeah, well, that was a that was a big event over three days. Um, quite a stretch, really, stretching both crews and buses. I, was, I wasn't sure actually whether we could do it over three days, but we actually did. And I was quite happy with the way it turned out. That event, unfortunately, won't be on this year because uh, there's a redevelopment going on at Central Station. The June Long Weekend uh, Transport Heritage Expo will not be on this year. Yeah, well, it's a shame, that. Perhaps but the other one, uh, Andy, was the Eastern Creek Classic. Uh, you were very involved in organising those. Yeah, that, that's been going on for years since we've been members of the Council of Motor Clubs. Um, I use that as an opportunity to give new drivers the chance to drive different buses. Yeah, so. I, got, I got thrown in the deep end there one year. I got thrown into a manual, and it's like, I haven't, haven't been signed off on these. Well, we'll do that now. That's the place to learn. I've training exercise for our drivers. Isn't it the best way to and, learn, too? Yeah, it was. I, I ended up spending the rest of the day in that, in that bus. And, and it's a unique experience because uh, you're driving a bus around the Eastern Creek uh, racetrack, where, uh, you know, it's, it's a very unusual uh, experience to drive a double-deck bus around the track with the super-elevated curves on the corners. And uh, having a full load of passengers, of course, uh, gives it a whole different dimension. So, uh, yeah, it's a great event. We're hoping that'll be back on later this year. We're just waiting for an announcement on that one. Stay tuned to a future podcast. So, Andy, you retired from the operations manager position about uh, 18 months ago now. Yes, that'd be right. And uh, handed over to uh, Kim Blake. Kim was supposed to be with us today, but unfortunately hasn't been able to make it. But uh, I'm sure Kim will tell us all about uh, her involvement in the museum in a future podcast. Andy, how important do you think preservation is for the transport industry? Well, it's it's very important because it shows the industry where it's come from and 
in a way where it's going. Okay, and what would you say to, um, say, you know, a, a guy like me who thought, you know, I'll never be allowed into that place and I'll certainly never be allowed to drive the vehicles, what would you say to someone that's listening to this and thinking, I want to be involved? I'd encourage them, so i tell them times have changed because what you just said certainly was like that about 20 or 30 years ago. It was very hard because uh, the buses then were privately owned. Now that situation's reversed and the museum owns practically all the buses. So we can do that, but I, I would encourage anyone like that to join up. You know, we, we've put ourselves as custodians of the state's transport heritage. We put ourselves across as that when we're dealing with government and community groups. So it's not just a case of playing buses, it's a case of uh, actually getting down and restoring these buses and displaying them. And playing buses is so much fun, though, isn't it? Andy, thank you, mate. Uh, that's, one of the perks. that's one of the perks. If you are thinking about becoming a member and volunteering, all of that information is on our website, sydneybusmuseum.com.au. Andy, thank you very much for being our very first featured member on our very first podcast. All the best to you, and stay well. Thank you, Steve. And that just about does it for this trip. It's time to tap off. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And hopefully you'll join us again when next we go round and round with the Sydney Bus Museum. See you later.